0: And welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, People working to understand viruses and how they affect you. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up soon, we are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists presenting at the meeting so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackeray and I am hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On June 16th, 2023, we talked with Andreas Riviera-Ruiz, a graduate student in the Wobus Lab at the University of Michigan Medical School. He received his Bachelor's of Science in Chemistry from the Universidad Ana G. Mendez in Puerto Rico. He uses intestinal organoids to study astroviruses. Thanks for talking with us this afternoon. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Andres David Rivera Ruiz. I'm a second year PhD student in the University of Michigan uh, in the Department of Microbiology and Immunology. And I'm right now working at the lab of Dr. Christiana Wolpes, studying astroviruses.
0: Great. And can you tell us a little bit how you first became interested in science and then virology?
1: Sure. So I remember getting interested in, in science since I was very little, around first grade, I remember being really interested in the planets and anything that had to do with um, with astronomy and things like that. Then um, yeah, around fourth grade, my interest switched a little bit more towards meteorology because I come from Puerto Rico. So hurricanes are a big part of our history. So I was really interested in following all the hurricanes in every season while I was there in Puerto Rico. Um, but then when I came, uh, when I went to college, I was like, oh, I really want to study biology because I wanted to um, to go into med school at some point. I was really interested in anything that had to do with like human you know, anatomy and physiology. Uh, but then when I I remember doing. Um, Research and a chemistry lab because I was in a small uh, university back in Puerto Rico, so there were not a lot of opportunities to do research there, but I joined an electro- electrochemistry lab and while I figured out that I didn't love electrochemistry for something long-term. I figured out that, oh, I, I really like research. I like doing experiments and after doing the experiments, seeing the data and and design experiments to follow up on that. So after that, I was like, okay, I definitely want to go into graduate school to do uh, some kind of research, but I was not really sure what to do yet. When I try to go back into meteorology, I noticed it had, too much physics and I didn't want to do to deal with physics uh, and differential equations and all that for my uh, for my PhD. So when the COVID pandemic happened, I remember uh, spending the quarantine days figuring out what I wanted to study in grad school. So I remember watching a lot of webinars, trying to expose myself to different fields of science. I remember stumbling upon a, uh, a webinar by Dr. Akiko Iwasaki. And that was about the the immune response to SARS-CoV-2, and I was fascinated by it. I was that was like my first exposure to the immune system, and I was like, okay, definitely this is the way I want to go. And I kept watching um videos about webinars about this about this topic, and that's how I decided to apply to immunology programs while while the pandemic was happening in fall 2020.
0: Cool. And I guess, how did you then end up at University of Michigan? What were you looking for in a graduate program? Um, sort of why did you end up going there?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, definitely one of the reasons that I um, that I applied to the University of Michigan was that um, in that process where I was trying to find what I wanted to study, I remember also being really interested in organoids. And the University of Michigan has many as many um, PIs that are using this model to study different things, including my PI, Christiana, uh, she uses intestinal organoids to study these viruses. So I knew there were many, many people that I could work with that work with that model, and also there were many other PIs that I could see myself working with. And since here they have a an umbrella program, a program in biomedical sciences, we have the opportunity to. Uh, peak to rotate with um, over 500 faculty members. So I really, I really like the, the variety of people that I could work with. I, I did spend one, uh, one summer at Michigan State University. So I was already a little bit uh, familiarized with the state of Michigan. And I definitely knew that I didn't want to go to a place where it was really hot and humid uh, year round because I'm from Puerto Rico and I really wanted to uh, to go away from that. So I applied to most of the schools in the, in the Midwest and the Northeast. And um, I remember really enjoying my time in during my University of Michigan interview, even though everything was virtual because it was the... It was spring, winter, spring of 2021. Um, but I remember feeling a, such a good sense of community from the current students and talking with the PIs. I felt really comfortable talking with them. And I really liked the the sense of community that everyone had. So as soon as I got my my offer from the University of Michigan, I think I just waited like two days and I was accepting the, <laughs> the offer because I knew that that's where I wanted to go.
0: Cool. And I guess then can you tell us a little bit about your research now and maybe some of the big questions you're trying to answer, you know, some of the tools that you use, um, maybe talk a little bit about organoids, but maybe some of the other tools that you use.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I'm studying astroviruses and astroviruses are uh, a type of viruses that are that infect the Intestine. Usually, they cause gastrointestinal symptoms, but there are some novel strains that have been found to cause neurological disease. So, we're really interested in figuring out why these novel strains have this tendency to uh, spread outside of the intestine and go into the brain. So, that's one of the one of the questions that we want to uh, figure out. So, in my lab, my project right now is we are using intestinal organoids. Um, and we infect them with either um, either classical, this, the strains that are that have been linked to, to gastrointestinal disease, but also we infect them with novel strains, those that uh, are known to go to the brain. And after infected them, we are doing um, transcriptomics, either a single cell or global RNA sequencing so that we can analyze that data and try to figure out what pathways of the cells are either upregulated or downregulated to try to find mechanisms of pathogenesis so that we can then um, target those those pathways at the lab to try to figure out more precisely what are the things that are what are the things that are causing these differences between strains and hopefully in the in the future, try to uh, design some therapeutics or vaccines against astroviruses since there are currently none of those.
0: Cool. And I guess um, thinking about the two astrovirus strains, are they both able to infect the, the, the different cells in the organoids or do they have a different tropism?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So uh, recently, my lab published a paper where they used uh, full cytometry and also immunofluorescence to look at v a one, which is a uh, which is a novel strain, which is also the strain that I'm studying right now and the topic of my poster. And they found out that the that this strain can infect several cell types in the organoids. They can infect um, enterocytes in stem cells and progenitory cells and also goblet cells. So it seems to have a multicellular tropism. Um, and in terms of the human astrovirus one, I don't think uh, studies about that have been done yet. Um, but it's something definitely that will be really interesting to look at to see if the tropism is the reason behind the um this difference in phenotype between the classical strains and the novel strains.
0: Right. And I guess I can't honestly remember is the receptor known for astroviruses is it known how what they bind to and attach to in order to get into cells?
1: Yeah, so that's definitely a a really novel um field in the in the astrovirus field because um recently I think last year a uh, a preprint was published in bioarchive or a lab uh, in Japan discovered one receptor for human astrovirus 1 which is one of the classical strains uh, but they argue that since there have been there has been uh, different tropism in transformed cell lines between human astrovirus 1 and other classic uh, and other novel strains that the novel strains use different receptors in comparison to uh, human astrovirus one, so that's still something that um, the field is trying to figure out. Currently, we have someone in our lab that's trying to use uh, a computational approach to predict where uh, to predict these receptors, and then trying to um, to figure those out uh, using CRISPR screens to try to figure to try to figure that out. But it's a little bit difficult since astroviruses are not known to be. Uh, to cause a cytopathic effect on cells, so it has been quite a challenge to uh, design these CRISPR screens or even plaque assays to uh, measure infection infectious variants. So mostly I do qRT-PCR in the moment. Uh, while one of our students is also trying to figure out a TCID50 in the meantime. But yeah, it's still definitely a lot of uh, a lot of assays that we're trying to optimize for astrovirus, but that i think that's what makes it such an exciting field because there are so many things that we can discover so if things um are not working for any for any reason like i remember having a lot of issues setting up a transfer model uh to try to better simulate the intestinal epithelium so while we are trying to figure that protocol out i've been able to do other things at the lab to to keep my to keep my project going so it's it's been definitely exciting
0: that's cool and um, do you have any um, concrete plans for the future? Are you thinking about going into uh, an academic postdoc or industry? Do you know what you're going to be doing next?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. It's something that definitely that I've definitely been thinking now. Now that I'm going to into my third year, I definitely want to uh, dedicate some time to career development activities. So um, there is... Uh, I'm really interested in science communication. I, I love anything that has to do with uh, writing about science and talking about science, uh, even though presentations and and poster presentations sometimes like scare me a little bit. Um, I always find it uh, really, really fun when I do it because I love talking to people. So, and especially after the COVID pandemic, realizing how important science communication is, um, I, I've been really interested in that field because I wanted to, Um, to use those skills that I learned through graduate school about communicating science and and try to make science more accessible to to everyone Um, but also recently I've been thinking about um, staying in academia because I think even if I stay in academia I can do some science communication uh, things in the future Uh, but I will also like to stay in academia because um, I love learning. I've been a lifelong learner. And ever since I was like really young, I will always want to get books and try to learn about different things. And nowadays, even in my free time, I like learning languages or learning about politics and learning div- about different things. So I think academia is such a nice uh, a nice environment for that to, to keep learning and have that flexibility and just to uh, keep feeding that curiosity of mine in in any in any science related field, but definitely virology. After being in a virology lab, I'm obsessed with viruses. And I'm like, I definitely want to keep studying them. So I've been wanted to do that. And also um as someone from from Puerto Rico, from the Latino community, I would like to create a space where people can feel can feel seen and can feel people with similar backgrounds to them are able to to uh to be in these spaces in academia and i know i've been someone that has uh, struggled with uh, mental health issues for for a long time and i want to make sure that i'm mindful of other of, of other people and to to let other people know that even if you have uh if you struggle with mental health issues that science that you can do science you can be a good scientist regardless of that and i would like to create a safe space for people in that in that sense that they feel comfortable enough to to say like hey i i don't feel great um i need a I need a mental health uh, day off. And as my PI has been super helpful in understanding that, like, I would like to keep that culture moving forward.
0: Great. Um, and I guess I like, kind of like to ask people, um, are there things that you know now that you wish you had known when you were younger?
1: Yeah, I think... I think one of one of uh, probably the most important thing is that uh, it's okay to make mistakes. I think in in grad school that's something that I've been um, have to make peace with that, uh, because I I I think that many of the people that end up in graduate school um, are really high achievers during school and they're always uh, used to um, being at the top of their class or things like that and always having great grades and. Then when you come into grad school, you see that experiments fail most times, most of the times, and that that's okay. That's how science works and that um, it's okay to to sometimes fail, that that's part of the process and not. And that's not just in science, it's pretty much in life that we're going to make mistakes and that that's okay. That doesn't define our, our self-worth or anything like that. Um, and we are we are enough regardless of, of the mistakes that we make. So, I will I will tell my younger self to to like to get to make, get more comfortable with failure and get more comfortable with making mistakes because it's something that um, at some point you need you just need to get comfortable with because it, it's just part of life and definitely part of science. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the advice to get more to get more comfortable with failure.
0: Okay. <laughs> Just curious, um, if you were going to do an academic postdoc, are you are there particular um, topics or viruses or things that you would be interested in studying?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. I think. Astroviruses so far, I've really loved them because it's so it's so novel. So it's something that I would like uh, to keep uh, to keep pursuing. But I will definitely be open to any other any other type of viruses. Um I remember going to to ASV last year and learning about many different kind of viruses like rhodoviruses, noroviruses, and so, but probably anything that has to do with uh, with the intestine, because it's, it's, it's so complicated. I really like the interaction of the different cell types and the microbes that are also in the intestine. So, I will probably be interested in following up uh, with a post where I was still studying um, an intestinal virus, because I really like that model.
0: Great. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. And we look uh, forward to hearing about your research at ASV.
1: Yes, of course. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I'll be happy to talk about my poster and my project uh, to anyone that comes around to my poster when I when I present on ASV.
0: This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackeray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers or at lmtv.podbean.com.